Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is Monday morning where we thought it was going to be a pretty pretty low-key Monday. No football practice, no media duties. Monday's just kind of a catch-up day from over the weekend. And all of a sudden it leaks out that athletic director Jen Cohen is heading to USC to be the athletic director. And, boy, it's hit the fan. And, uh, no, it's a little bit crazy. So um, USC's getting a good one in Jen Cohen. Um, and, uh Washington, I think they, I, I, I think they have their heir apparent who's been with them for a little over a year now. So um, I'm not surprised at this at all. Um, I could kind of see this coming, maybe not going to USC, but her leaving UW. Are you surprised at all at, on this, Chris? Little surprised, but I think it's not so much the decision to go to USC. I think it's just a little bit more on the timing of it. You know, we're less than two weeks from the first game of the of the football season. Um, it feels like in a lot of ways things were really settling into their natural rhythm and kind of flow of, of kind of how things are this time of year. And so to have this kind of bombshell hit right now is um, is interesting timing, to say the least. Your initial reaction, Scott? Not surprised. Uh, she's no longer the AD at the University of Washington. Uh, timing wise, yes, I thought she might be here another year or two, get Washington over to the Big Ten. I think the biggest surprise for me is that she's staying in college athletics. I honestly thought she'd go into the private sector and and uh, do something there. But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, so surprised that it all came down now and where she's going. But I did not see her as a long-term uh, person at the University of Washington. I thought she had maybe one or two years left. And both of you guys know that um, I've had hundreds of conversations with Jen and I would say I know her pretty well. I know her motivations pretty well. Um, and uh, it's going to be hard to lose her. She's good. She's mm-hmm. really good. So I know, Chris, you have some questions. <laughs> I, I think I'm closer to this than most um, and have interacted with her more than most. You know, what questions do you have for me on on my view of this whole thing? Oh, I just I think it has more to do with what Washington's going to you know do moving forward, because yeah. clearly it, they feel like or at least the way the succession was in place, they've got a guy ready to go, which is which is obviously proper planning on their part. Um, it's just I don't know how much you want to spend uh, on the podcast talking about either her legacy or what this means for Washington moving forward into the Big Ten starting next year. And, you know, because USC is still yeah. going to be a rival. I mean, it's not like Washington and Oregon or, or, and USC and UCLA are somehow going to get mixed up in this big 10 blender. You know, they're still going to be rivals. To a well, I think extent. I think the big thing is why. And I don't this isn't something that happened overnight. This has been something that's been brewing a long, long time. And I think that um, the start of this goes all the way back to the entire Larry Scott thing with the cupcake situation on the sidelines. 
just the absolute disconnect between the Pac-12 conference and the way Larry Scott was running things with the athletic directors having to do all of the work. But Larry Scott refused to deal with the athletic directors. He dealt with the presidents. That's it. He did not listen to the athletic directors at all. He was just listening to the presidents. And I think there was a, a huge disconnect, and I think that's where it all started. And even with this entire um, pa- um, Big Ten, Pac-12 thing, um, George Klyovkov left the ADs out of the loop until the last moment as well. And he was just dealing with the presidents. And what I had heard was that the presidents were not informing the ADs because they were worried about leaks and just that frustration and then all the economic things that are going on with the University of Washington, I just think that Jen got tired of the fight with Upper Campus. And, Chris, we've talked about this before. And I asked, you know, President Kase, um during her press conference to announce the affiliation with the the Big Ten. Is that divide between upper campus and lower campus that seems to be more prevalent in this conference, especially at University of Washington, where the athletic departments are much more interwoven on those Big Ten schools and they embrace the athletic department. And that upper campus and lower campus thing at University of Washington, that divide's been there for a long time, going all the way back to William Gerberding and Don James. So, And it's still there. And I think that Jen just got tired of the fight and there's a number of other factors as well but i think that's the main thing she just got tired of the fight here i i would add to that too that, that it's a good segue because it really does it, it will start to crystallize the real financial divide between usc and ucla now and going forward compared to what the situation is going to be like for washington and oregon for instance because i started to look at just some of the financials of some of the bigger big 10 schools for instance you know, University of Michigan, their their 2022 financials when they came through. Do you want to know what their revenue was for athletics as a whole? It was over 210 million dollars. Washington's for the same fiscal year was just around 150. That's 60 million dollars. That's substantial. Oh, it's huge. I mean, you're talking about almost you're almost talking about a 50 percent difference, a little less. But well, it's more than that, because the cost of doing business in Seattle is much harder, much higher than is in Ann Arbor. Well, what? Well, correct. I mean, there's there's those clearly those raw numbers just taken in a vacuum don't tell you too much, but they they do tell a bit of a story. And then you add to that the fact that USC and UCLA are going to be going into the Big Ten as full share members and Oregon and Washington are only going to get a partial share for all the way until 2029-2030. And you're talking about a media deal, guys, between Fox and ESPN, where they're almost tripling in terms of the Big Ten what they were making from the old media contract to the new one that's going to start in 2024. So yeah. you're you're talking about so much more money going into USC's financials for the Absolutely. athletic department compared to Washington. And Scott, you've talked to a lot of athletes that aren't football athletes, and you know how these athletes feel about Jen Cohen. She's a fighter. She's passionate. She will absolutely go to war for her athletes. And if you want the definition of mama bear when it comes to athletes, Jen Cohen is mama bear to those athletes. They're losing a they're losing. It's a big loss for Washington. Oh, it's absolutely a big loss for Washington. I <clears throat> I don't just think from the uh, from the athlete standpoint, although they're impacted by pretty much anything that the athletic department does. But I, I mean, the Husky athletic department in general, I think, is 
worse off without Jen Cohen. I, I think somebody like her who um, was a Husky, you know, born and bred Husky, you know, uh, her whole life. I mean, she'd been at the University of Washington for 24 years. Yeah. She grew up a fan of the program, all those different things that you can throw into it. And there's no one that was going to have more passion for the program than Jen Cohen. She wasn't going to be there long. So we, no. we kind of knew this was going to happen anyway. But, man, I, I it you know, for those that I you know, she's received so much criticism and, and in her position, that's just going to come with the territory. But the people who criticized her and, and I, I think there are some things that could be criticized or, you know, critiqued and things like that. But overall, she has been nothing but a net positive by hundreds of times over the negatives that that uh, that she has been a part of during her time. And I think what makes Jen Cohen unique is that uh, she's like a lot of Husky fans. She did not go to the University of Washington. And the reason she didn't go to the University of Washington was the reason a lot of people don't go to University of Washington. She couldn't get in. She understands that, and she understands that frustration with the academic side of the University of Washington, where she's not Harvard. She's not Princeton academic-wise, but I'll tell you this. She sees things from a different level. A lot of the time, you see real academic people, and the, the problem is, is they have that academic filter, and they can't see things through that academic filter, where you have Jen, who I think is a little bit more street smart and sees things from a different level. And I think that's truly what made her unique. Well, her her passion for the Husky football program, you know, I just don't think there's a lot of ADs. Once you get up to that level, you kind of have to separate yourself I, I think there's some passion, but I don't think it comes out like it does with her. And her passion for the program at the University of Washington is unmatched compared to, I would say, pretty much any other athletic department uh, head in, in the country. Chris, where you know where are most ADs during a football game? Where are they? They're in the C-suite. Guess where Jen is most of the game? She hated being up there. Hated. Oh, oh no, she wanted to be right in the thick of it. If she could, if, if 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 she could have convinced Chris Peterson and Jimmy Lake and Kalen DeBoer to allow her to wear a headset, she would have. I always said sideline sideline Jen was my favorite sideline. I mean, I saw uh, Jen can talk like a sailor, and I saw it evidence. I mean, she, she would go after officials. You know, Chris Peterson remarked, "I don't need my athletic director getting a 15-yard personal foul." You know, I mean, Jen on the sidelines, she was into it. She was passionate and. Um, the maddest I ever saw her was um, at the Alabama game. And it was, I can't remember who got, I think it was John Ross got cheap shotted. Oh my God. I thought she was going to go out in the field. I really did. I mean, she was so pissed. I mean, she had steam coming out of her ears. So, um, yeah, I don't see, do you think Todd Turner ever had an ounce of that kind of passion about a football Todd Turner game. didn't like sports. <laughs> no, he didn't. And it's interesting. I want to go back to the loyalty thing again, because a lot of people are questioning her loyalty, yeah. which I think is interesting on two fronts. Because first of all, if you've been with a program for 24 years, what's the, what's the red line for loyalty? Do you have to be there for 30 years, 35 years, 40 years? What, where, where is it all of a sudden go? Oh, okay. She's been there long enough. So that's officially being loyal. And then the other thing is, is I think this loyalty thing has also been conflated with this idea that she went to school at Washington or she's initially from the area. She's from California. She went to school at San Diego State. 
when she grew up in Tacoma. The connection that Washington had to Jen Cohen was that she got her master's like in Tacoma. She was in PLU, and that's where her fascination with the Puget Sound and everything started. She's not from here. She's, She's from, from Tacoma. Seattle. She's from Tacoma, Chris. Right, but she didn't. But she didn't go to school. She went four years to San Diego State. Correct. Because she couldn't get into UW. Right, but she's got a connection down there. I mean, she's not. It's not like she's literally up and moving to Mars. Well, like I said, I I think it's pretty pretty safe to say she's just got tired of the fight up here. You know, especially with the stadium thing. The finances are a mess, and they're not getting any help from Upper Campus, and just the stadium interest carry alone. Next year's budget goes from like seven million to seventeen million. It's another ten million dollars. They're going to go in the hole, yeah. and costs are just going through the roof. And I think she just got tired of the fight. Well, and that's the thing when you have someone who's put in twenty four years of service into a, a, a university and athletic department, and we know the passion that she runs with, and she decides to leave at this point when you're arguably moving into one of the most exciting times in the history of the program, especially when it comes to football, for instance, when that move is being made, that should give fans a lot of pause and let them know that the the, the connection between upper campus and the athletic department is not as rosy and as clear cut as maybe people would have assumed just because Jen Cohen had a great relationship and, and, and um, connection with uh, Anna Marie Calce. It's yeah, just Jen turned down USC last time and she's had numerous inquiries, numerous inquiries, and she's turned them all down, you know, but at some point it's just time to move on. And also one of the big things, you know, that has kept her here, she's got two boys, you know, and they're really great kids. And then she dropped the last one off last month. She dropped them off at uh, Montana to play football for Bobby Houck. She's an empty nester, you know, so I don't think she wanted to make that move until you know, the kids were both gone. I think it was a big deal to her. She's a good mom. Yeah. And now she, the kids are out of the house. And we always thought that she was going. To, I, You've heard me say it numerous times on the board and on podcasts. I thought she was going to be here for a couple of years. And then the thing that happened that cemented that in my mind was that um, they hired an assistant for her, who was the athletic director at Long Beach State, Andy Fee. Um, Andy was the athletic director down at Long Beach State, and they brought him in last year. And I knew right then and there, Jen, when Jen goes, they brought in Andy Fee to be the heir apparent. So he's been here for a year and has a good lay of the land. I'm sure they're going to go through the process that they have to, um, you know, because they're regulated by the state. But, <coughs> excuse me, I'd be really surprised if Andy Fee isn't the guy. I would also say, too, Kim, to be honest, this the, the events that the way they've unfolded in this timeline, this chronology almost suggests that it really has been kind of a, a fait accompli or it's already been written for a while now because Andy's not in Seattle right now. Andy's with the basketball team in Europe. They're literally Washington is literally playing uh, a game in Barcelona right now as we speak. And I think he's actually the one providing some of the updates uh, via some of the social networks. So well, it's, Okay, Chris, looking back, to be honest with you, I talked to Andy two days before he left, and he said he was going, but he was coming back early. So I don't know if that's a coincidence or if that was a well, sign I ignored. And again, that goes, yeah, that, and, and, you're, and that you, what you just said just kind of underscores the point that I think 
these things were already kind of cemented a little bit. And even though we kind of understood some of the broad strokes and the the stories had already been out there about Jen getting approached by USC and we thought at the time, you know, maybe the timing of it didn't make sense or whatever, but we could all, all of us, I think, can agree that she would be a great fit at USC if they were able to get her because of, of what she's been able to do at Washington and especially given the budget constraints because right now it's going to be open field at USC. Hey, Scott. I put it on the message boards. She's right now at Washington. She is going into the Big Ten with like both her arms behind her back and a leg tied behind her back budget wise compared to USC. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Scott, I think the biggest concern Washington should have about losing Jen Cohen to USC, there's a lot of people out there who think that Lincoln Riley um, will leave USC after this year and go to the NFL. If Lincoln Riley leaves and goes to the NFL, who's Jen Cohen's first phone call to? Oh, it's probably Kalen DeBoer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but, um, you know, he's not a California guy. He He's not. How, how long, how many, how many years did he live there? Two years as a head coach, one or two it. years as a, as a, wasn't he the OC there? He was the OC a year before he was the head coach. Okay, so three, so three years Yeah. he was yeah, there. That's, right. that's it, you know, yeah. and. I'm not saying that that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be something to be worried about, but um, I'd be much more worried if Iowa calls or, uh, you know, like one of the other Midwest schools that he has closer ties to him and is from that area. Um, The other thing is, too, that, um, you know, I. Uh, going to California as the head coach, okay, maybe maybe they offer you an eight million dollar contract. I don't know what is he making now. What seven million, six million at UW, whatever it is. Well, now. he just got he just got that extension. He also got those loyalty bonuses too built in. To what? To what? I don't remember what. I don't okay. remember ultimately what. Okay, the well, whatever it is, is, whatever it is, he's gonna have to make two and a half, three million dollars more in California to equal what he's making up here. Well, because, I, I also suspect that he's he's going to probably get even another bump if they have another 11 yeah, two type but, season, right? But but I mean I mean you just you got to consider if if you're Kalen DeBoer you got to consider that now um, if USC is more willing to shell out the you know their their collectives are w- willing to and able to shell out more money on the you know NIL and this is going to take us down a different track which I don't want to do but. That's gonna that might be more enticing to him than just the USC job. It might be 
how much more difficult it is to be a coach at the University of Washington in, in, from the recruiting standpoint. But yes, I, you know, to answer Kim's question, Kaylin DeBoer is probably going to be her first call. But um, she also knows that Kaylin DeBoer really likes the really likes it up here. And well, the other thing so too, it's yeah. going to take a Kim lot. To the, he brought up the, the the empty nest thing with Jen, which is I think also a huge part of this. That's not that's not the case with Kalen DeBoer. His daughter is going to be playing softball at Washington, and yeah. they and he's got. But she doesn't have, have to. Well, she doesn't have to, right? The portal. She could be at she could go UC, USC as a softball player. But I think <laughs> but I think it suggests that they are settled here. They like it here, and it would take something pretty extraordinary for that to change. Hey, Chris, just your reaction to people uh, just out there saying, you know, hey, she was just OK. She made a couple of questionable hires that didn't work out and uh, they slam her for the hire of Jimmy Lake. They hire for the sl- uh, you know, they slam her for the hiring of Mike Hopkins and, you know, the women's basketball coach prior to Tina Langley. How, how, what's your reaction to those? Well, they, they, hey, there's a lot of revisionist history that goes on in anything. And I and I would I would question whether or not you can find an athletic department at the power five level that hasn't made coaching mistakes, considering she's in charge of a program that, what is it over almost 20, 20 sports that you're covering? Yeah. Do you go 20 for 20 every year? I don't, I've never heard of that happening. I've never heard of that happening. And first of all, is anyone going to care on our message boards? If the golf coach isn't doing something or the tennis coach isn't doing something or the soccer coach isn't doing something yet, the men's soccer team went to the national championship game a couple years ago. Um, the women won literally, I think, the day after she got hired. Down in Eugene, won the national championship. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, Heather Tarr take the softball team to the College World Series year after year after year. Baseball teams improving. I could talk about all the things that are getting better and whatnot. But you look at Jimmy Lake, for instance. Everyone thought that was a slam dunk hire when it happened. I mean, there's no the guy, the guy, the the a, a Hall of Fame coach, uh, put his weight behind him. Right. Look at Mike Hopkins. He won back to back Pac-12 coach of the, coach coach of the, of the year, year honors first yeah. two years. Yeah. That's why he got extended, and they're now in the financial situation they're in now. But at the time, did anyone have a problem with that? No, absolutely not. You never heard one word about any of that. So of course. When you want to look back on something and you see how things have evolved and mistakes ended up happening, well, it's easy to criticize. There's no question about it. So when you look at Jen Cohen's overall resume, there's going to be plenty of black marks on it. Sure. But are there going to be in in total? Are there more good things than bad? Well, that's and, and that's that's where where what I said earlier. You just said it a little bit better, Chris. There's, well, but without you know, question. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and I would she, also say, guys, too, all of her good say, outweighs anything that she did that that could be a a, a pockmark. And I would also say too, her move from Nike to Adidas, absolutely universally applauded by every Washington yeah. fan who wanted to get from out of Nike's shadow. Hundred percent. They all they all don't necessarily think it's a great thing now, but at the time, holy moly, that was considered a bombshell. That was considered huge. Now, yep. is 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 the is UW now in a position where maybe they can take their relationship with Adidas and move it to the next level, or do some of the things that I think they they thought they could do? Perhaps. Who knows? But you know, the, the, these are things 
where at the time they were universally accepted as being really good, really positive. And, you know, now, you know, after looking back on things, you know, some things didn't pan out. But you know what? That's life. That's how things work. Scott, you're just your reaction. There's people out there and I just kind of roll my eyes. I think we've been over this a million times. People wanting to know if Pete, uh, Coach Pete would be interested. No, 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 no. I think he would no. rather have both sharp pencils in his eye, stir sticks, and a drill bit in his ears than to be an athletic director. No, because he, Even if he was willing to, do you want a coach who saw the writing on the wall with how college football and, and college athletics was headed and wanted no part of it? Do you really want that as your athletic director? Jen no. told me that Coach Pete would laugh at her, go, I don't know why you do this. Yeah. He goes, you got to be crazy to do your job. Not just that. I mean, Pete was good at managing a coaching staff, but can you imagine trying to deal with 20 egos? Oh, yeah. That, and plus the president and the, the academic side of the people, the budgets. No, Pete, Chris Peterson is never going to work in college athletics again, period. I'm, I'm thinking out loud, guys, because I was just thinking of this. I almost think you could make a better, more reasonable argument for Chris Peterson being the president of the university compared to being the head of the athletic department at this point. I think you could make just as good of arguments for him tra training to be an MMA fighter as being an athletic director or a yeah, president of a university. I mean, the bottom line is all we can do is take him at his word. And when he left college football, he did it because it didn't bring him any joy anymore. He was trying to find that balance. Yeah. If anything, every conversation he's had in radio or in print or in person will tell you that things are even more out of whack now than they were when he left. So oh, yeah. that would give you reason to think that he wants to get right back into that. It just it does nothing makes sense on that front. Now nah, it's it, it's it's going to be interesting because um you know one of the conversations that I've I had with Jen you know because I I you know I asked her you know f f you know probably four or five months ago about the USC job and. You know, she said, you know, the problem is with hiring athletic directors, it's such a small pool of talent that you have to choose from. Where do they come from? Uh, where do you get an athletic director? How, where do you get a good athletic director? And so many of them are the bureaucratic type, you know, like we saw in Todd Turner, um, you know, and it just it's a small pool to choose from. And that's why I firmly believe that, you know, they brought in Andy Fee. To be the heir apparent, and right now, like I said, I'd be shocked if he's not the guy. I don't think he's going to be named right away. I think he'll be named interim, but at some point in time, I expect Andy to be the athletic director while well, they go through think the process. For, for the state, don't they have to go through the process? Don't they have to do all that stuff? Put up, you know, the oh, yeah. fit and all that. Well, yeah, that was part of the problem with um, it leaking out that Washington wanted to hire Larry Brown, and the big problem with that is you can't just hire somebody like that you have to po you have to make the posting you have to go through the process right. uh, you know with the state so um they'll have to post that job available and take applications and they'll have to go through the process i mean it's, it's just the way it works but they will but uh you know we'll we'll see what happens definitely something to keep your eye on and, and just to give people a bit of bit of background because i think a lot of people will hear that he came to washington from long beach state and they'll be like well that's great how does that help washington with football well, he has previous school experiences 
at ASU, for instance. Um, he was also around when Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw were at the University of San Diego, which clearly, again, totally different level and different guys at different stages of their careers. But he's been around football. I mean, it's not like he's literally coming into this and he's never dealt with football in his life. Never. More importantly, he's been here. He understands the landscape. Right. He's he had a year under his belt. Yeah. He, he came in basically around the time when DeBoer came in. So that you, there's a connection there. What I was going to ask you is you've probably had more conversations with him than Scott and I. Yeah. Do you feel like he can kind of hit the ground running? Yeah. I, I think he started that a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. It's, it's, no. it's fair, though. He also understands all the problems, it's, you know, the financial stuff that's going on. And it, what is that saying? It's best to be um, first uh, firstborn. Um, second wife, third football coach or something like that. Well, a lot of the things that um, Jen was unable to get, you know, uh, Andy being the heir apparent, if that's what happens, the next athletic director will probably have a little bit more leverage to get those things done. One of the other things I was going to say, too, is per, per the Go Huskies bio, I mean, he was already kind of involved in helping put together the uh, softball clubhouse, which is right yeah. on the corner there by the Dempsey Indoor. So he's already gotten involved in some capital projects because of his involvement at being kind of the 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 person in the athletic department uh, that took care of men's basketball. And he's obviously over there right now. He's going to be obviously intimately involved in the construction of the of the uh, basketball facility. So I'm and, sure that's already well underway. And just real quick on that basketball facility, that's not getting scrubbed. That's getting done. They signed a contract for that. They can't back out of it. That's getting done and expecting that to break ground in April. But they still get a financing for that, too. So I know that, uh, you know, some of the coaches, some of the four players, they're shaking them upside down, trying to get – you know, the money out of their pockets, especially for the NBA player lounge. But uh, yeah, no, that's going to get done. But hey, guys, let's wrap this up and get this up because I know people are going to want to get our thoughts so we can get it up and hopefully uh, people can listen to this on their lunch break. But just final thoughts, Scott Eklund. Um, you know, sad to see her go. Uh, I think she was very good for Washington uh, during her time as the athletic director. I think uh, um, things are definitely headed in the right direction for the Husky football program, the athletic department in general the move to the Big Ten, you know, all those different things. She got a lot of that stuff done and taken care of. Um, now, you know, it really depends on who they hire. And and if that person, whether it be Andy Fee or somebody else, can get the job done as well as she could. I think, they, I think they're going to do the, their due diligence. And hopefully this person will be just as good as Jen was and have just as much passion for Husky football and Husky athletics in general uh, as Jen Cohen did because she carried it in spades. Hey, Chris, real quick before you get your final thoughts, uh, USC one o'clock press conference to announce that uh, is expected uh, at one o'clock this afternoon. So uh, just final thoughts. Wrap it up. Yeah, a lot of things that, that Scott said I would echo again. I, I kind of I was a little stunned by the timing of all of this, not the decision, because um, it, it really did feel over the last number of months that that Jen was starting to wind things down, whether that was to go into the private sector uh, or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I kind of thought that with the beginning of the academic cycle right right on us that, you know, maybe Washington had been able to kind of get her, you know, focused on this. And then, you know, maybe this would come about at the end of the football season, for instance. But, you know, again, it is what it is. And, and I'm sure they wanted to wrap things up on USC's end for sure to get her. I know that she was highly coveted. 
And uh, again, if it's Andy or, or someone else, you know, we'll see what happens. It does feel you've laid out the succession thing pretty well, Kim. Um, it certainly feels like he's got to be the guy that takes them forward. And um, they had that plan in place, it feels like. So I think all things considered, it, it th- this transition is happening as best as it could happen for Washington. But to lose someone like Jen, who basically had a quarter of a century's worth of of loyalty and experience and know-how going into what made Washington Washington, um, it's going to be huge shoes to fill. Absolutely huge. This is big news. Yeah, hopefully this moves the program uh, forward, you know, with uh, the new athletic director being able to get some things done that Jen wasn't able to get done. Like I said, you go in as the new guy and, you know, hopefully that you can get some of those accommodations that uh, the last person wasn't able to. So, I wish Jen all the luck in the world. I wish her the best. Um, she's a quality person. She will be missed by not only uh, the administrators and the people at University of Washington, but uh, the athletes, student athletes love her, Chris. You've seen it. They love her. You ask about Jen Cohen to any athlete and she will go to war for you. So it's a big loss. It'll be interesting to USC with that culture down there because she's definitely going to try to change it. Um, she's really big on doing things the right way, you know, and USC has been known to run a little bit of a loose ship. So that kind of nonsense, we'll see how that goes on down there. So uh, and by the way, just, <clears throat> you know, the when the Pac-12 big 10 thing came up. We woke up in the morning, expected it to be kind of a light day with the Pac-12 staying together and all hell broke loose. And I think, again, I mentioned earlier, we expected today to be kind of a slow day for us and then all hell breaks loose. So (laughs) anyway, so that means that in the future, Kim, when we kind of think that it's going to be a light day, need to hanker down. Yeah. Uh, football practice uh, tomorrow. We'll have post game interviews. And then our last practice of the year that we'll be able to attend is on Wednesday, Scott. Yes. Yeah. And just a reminder, um, 50% off your dogman.com for new subscribers. No better time to sign up for that, uh, for your uh, subscription right now uh, with the athletic director leaving the search on that and season's just around the corner. We're a week away from game week with a press conference with the offensive coordinators and Kalen DeBoer next week for the Boise State game. So, uh, again, no better time to subscribe with 50% off. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. It's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.